Hi, I'm Jamie Wincup. Hi, I'm Rick Kelly. Hi, I'm Lee Holdsworth. And you're listening to Inside Supercars. From the racetracks across Australia, and here's Inside Supercars. Welcome to Inside Supercars. It's day one of the 2020 season. After a day of running down at Tail and Bend, the 24 cars were there. And Adrian Rossellino, as the editor of Supercars Extra, was there. Adrian, it was an interesting, um, vibrant, uh, exciting. What was it? Uh, it was an interesting day, um, more so for the off-track action than the on-track action. But in saying that, there was plenty of uh, thrills and spills for the drivers. Um, conditions were very tricky down at Taylor Bend, very windy. Um, some, you know, a bit of a rain shower at the end of the day, so it was hard to gauge a bit of a form guide. But you know, in saying that, you know, that they logged a fair amount of laps and you know, consistent running from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. So. A uh, very valuable day for the team. Um, not sure what things they can carry over into the Superloop LA 500 weekend, given the differences in tracks. But you know, a, a very valuable day moving forward into the season. I thought it was fascinating, Adrian, that uh, one car did over 110 laps across the day, and that, of course, was the 97 of Shane Van Gisbergen and Garth Tander. Yeah, absolutely. It was consistent running throughout the whole day. There wasn't even a, a designated lunch break for the team. They just went throughout. And, you know, what was interesting as well is the majority of them had their endurance co-drivers there. It just shows, you know, what a limit there is on testing and how vital that track mileage is. And that's why you saw a few teams sort of, you know, rush in their endurance driver announcements before the test day so they could get them out on track without any surprises. And, you know, and that's what the teams need. As we said, track uh, testing time is so limited. So um, a day like today is vital, especially at a track like the Bend Motorsport Park, which has such a variety in corners and you know long straights. They can they can sort of test you know a few different things. Well, there's certainly some interesting new pairings. Certainly, uh, one that, that fascinated me was the. Uh, Phil Monday, Milwaukee Racing, grabbing Jack Perkins. I would have thought Alex would have been a good pairing with Will again, but they grabbed Jack and uh, all points to them for doing that. Um, Tom Randall and Nick Perkett, another interesting pairing. Um, and, of course, Luffy's kept his job, even though Jack had lost his. He's uh, with uh, Chaz Mostert. Um, up and down pit lane, some interesting uh, pairings here. Yeah, very interesting. It's always you know a big story when the, yeah, um, it's always a big story when the Bathurst winners from last year are separated, and you know we don't often see that. They usually get a chance to defend their title together. So the fact that DJR Team Penske moved so quickly and grabbed Tim Slade when he became available, and you know forced Alex Primine to that move to Tickford Racing, it really reshuffles the enduro field and. You know, we already had a pretty big silly season in terms of driver movements from the full-time drivers, so that has had an effect on the co-drivers. And, you know, it just shows, you know, the level the teams are operating at, the fact that the majority of them have their endurance co-drivers sorted, ready to go, and the first enduro, you know, at Talon Bend is until September. I, I thought one of the interesting things is, as we all know, having watched uh, much of the 12-hour race, where there were so many Euro drivers that none of them have bobbed up in this. 
in, in the, you know, okay, we saw a lot of crashes in the 12 hour, but there would have been drivers there who got plenty of miles. And we, I would have thought that there was a time when maybe some of the, those drivers would be picked up because of their straight skill levels, not necessarily because they don't know or do know supercars. And yet that didn't happen. I mean, terrific for all those young kids, um, you know, the, the, um, uh, well, not so much the young ones, but Thomas Randall, for instance, and uh, uh, Kostecki and Dave, Dave Russell. You know, they've got a gig there because that's important for their uh, their year of driving. Yeah, absolutely. And I just wonder with teams whether it's feasible nowadays to be flying drivers <clears throat> in and out from Europe throughout the season for the extra sessions at the events. And, you know, the cost becomes an issue and, you know, you, you want drivers who are around the team and especially, you know, drivers in Super 2, um, you know, like you, Thomas Randalls and the Kostekis, for example. So that makes sense. And it's, you know, it's no surprise to see them snapped up, you know, in the scramble to sort of fill your, your drives for the Enduros. Just one last thing, looking at the timesheets, um, the interesting thing is that uh, there were three drivers who uh, shared the sector times, um, I, mean, I always find it fascinating when one driver is fastest on the day and he's fastest in every sector. That's not the case uh, today. Um, Wind Cup uh, first in the first sector, uh, Deepa Squally the second, and Shane Van Gisner the third. To me, it looks like there was some sandbagging going on in that nobody was putting together a complete lap, or maybe not everybody was putting together a complete laps, but there were a good number who were butting off in the first, second, or third sector just to... Uh, gauge and get information on how their car was going rather than showing their hand. Do you agree, Adrian? Yeah, absolutely. There's always a part of that on test days, especially in the track the size of the bend, motorsport park, because it is, you know, such a huge track and, and you know, such different varying sectors. But it, it was a case of, you know, some teams and drivers were trying different things and some drivers would pop up off the timesheets and then sort of disappear and, uh, there weren't really any real standout times, and you know when you when you look at the sort of timesheets, there, there's not too many surprises um, in terms of the names up there. As you said, the Red Bull drivers were quick. We expect that. Anton Di Pasquale comes into the season as one of the real drivers to watch, so we expect him to be up there. And you know, Will Davison had a strong season last year. You know, off the back of you know the Mustangs early season form, so. You know, that's what we expect heading into the season opener. So there's not too many surprises there. It's a case of teams and drivers, you know, really just working on their own individual programs. Two quick things before we leave it. One is um, that Chaz Mossert was so quickly up there. He was in seventh place overall, and Warren Luff was sharing with him. Uh, the second one was the two Sydney cars. We finally saw Chris Pither in the car and out there is number 22. Both of the Sydney cars, as we expected when Techno were running under their own name, uh, they weren't up there, you know, 1.8, 1.9 seconds off the pace. They they were lacking last year in car parts and engineering skills. Can you tell us anything, Adrian, about uh, who's in there in terms of the engineering teams? Yeah, I, I think this is still going to be a big, you know, year of off-field, uh, off-track change for the team and when you consider that, you know, they've come to South Australia for the test day and the opening round of the season and then, you know, they're basically moving to Sydney from after this event. So, you know, there's a lot going on there and, you know, you saw in terms of how late the 
second driver was announced. You know, it wasn't until midday of the test day that they finally confirmed it, that there's, you know, a lot of um, T's getting crossed and I's getting dotted still with that team. And I think there's still a way to go. And, and hopefully we see in the early stages of the year some, you know, there's a bit of a boost in terms of technical personnel because, you know, we've seen at Techno over the last couple of years, they have lost a lot of, you know, very experienced people and, and they've not really replaced them. So, you know, I, I do think they'll struggle early on. It's just the case of what happens off the track to get them ready for 2021. Okay. Craig, you had some questions about Holden, which is obviously the biggest news of, the, uh, of this month. It's right, Adrian. Where are what? What was the feeling like? You you get all the major motorsport publications together in one media centre, and the topic mm. is normally freely debated. Where did everyone sit with the conversation on Holden? Yeah, it, it wasn't so much of a surprise. The actual announcement itself it was more a surprise of the timing. You know, especially you know leading into the supercar season opener. You know in South Australia where Holden was, you know, based and um, was born, basically. So, you know, the, the timing of that was really the discussion. And then, you know, there was a press briefing with Roland Dane, team boss of Red Bull Holden Racing Team, about, you know, where to from here. So, you know, there's a lot up in the air. The, the main takeaway from that press briefing was he's flying to Melbourne this week to meet with GM and discuss, you know, where they go from here. But, you know, all signs are that, you know, it'll be a, you know, quick separation and, and you know, GMs will, you know, be out of the Australian market by the end of 2020 or the Holden brand will be retired. It's just a case of what comes next, you know, how long the Holden teams are allowed to run with the current configuration Commodores or if there is a, you know, solution to sort of fast track some parts of Camara or something to replace it. It's all very up in the air and that uncertainty really clouded the day and, and that was the main talking point you know, of that briefing and what comes next. Car Advice, who were the uh, people who first broke that Holden was shutting down uh, yesterday, they have run a story that there is a secret plan to fast track the Camaro for next year. Yeah, absolutely. That makes complete sense. And, you know, it, there is no point to continue with the Commodore given that's been retired in itself and that news came at the end of 2019. So it, it makes sense that, you know, they have to move on to something. But, you know, there's a wider uncertainty around what comes with General Motors and within Australia and whether the Camaro is a realistic option. Um, you know, and being fast-tracked for next season, you know, how rushed will it be? You know, this, it, it, it's very difficult to sort of homologate and develop supercars. So, it's uh, you know, there's a lot of questions around sport. Adrian, um, I, you know, I, it was obviously being lined up where it was, was going to be a Ford versus Holden rivalry for supercars. They're advertising and the whole pitch. You know, it's back to the old time sort of thing. Um, are supercars? And SEMA, are they ducking for cover now? Well, I think the reaction at the Superloop LA 500 will be fascinating because they really do need to get on the front foot here and sort of start addressing what Gen 3 of the sport is going to look like because it's now become, you know, essential to the survival of this category. Let's be honest, you know, with Holden being retired, it leaves us with one manufacturer that's committed 
beyond this season. So, you know, we're entering the weekend hoping there is some type of, you know, strong statement from Supercars to say, you know, this is what Gen 3 will look like. This is who we're targeting as the manufacturers. This is, you know, where where it goes from here because, you know, personally, I think the sport needs to be looking beyond manufacturers. I don't think it's realistic that they're going to attract the likes of Kia or BMW or or whoever. I mean, but, you know, let's be honest, the car of the future opened that door and, yeah, a few came in, but they left pretty quickly and, and we're back to Ford and Holden only. And if you take Holden out of that equation, it suddenly becomes very lopsided. So, you know, th- this Gen 3 platform becomes critical now to what supercars looks like beyond 2020. And Craig Lowndes has said today and being reported by the Nine Media that the future of supercars is in doubt after the Holden announcement. So that is uh, quite a headline, Tony, for uh, the Nine Media Group to be running. Yeah, indeed. Um, When I started writing about the car industry back in the uh, 80s and then uh, about motor racing in the 90s, the car market was so, you know, dramatically different to what it is today. Two manufacturers with a a Falcon and a Commodore um, dominated the market. 50% of sales in Australia were four-door sedans and, uh, you know, they had it to themselves. And yet over this time period, we've seen the growth of brands from everywhere in the world. And Australia has, maybe not quite to the same degree as, say, Europe, but we have an enormous number of brands competing for each trying to get a small share. And we've seen the growth of brands like uh, Honda and Mazda and Kia and Hyundai, each taking uh, successfully every year a slice of that big sedan market that Holden and Ford had for so long. It's a a totally different landscape and one that, and badly, the car manufacturers, of course, in America, when when the global finance, uh, financial crisis happened, they so misread it that there wouldn't be an American car industry if the American government hadn't stepped up and paid them both, you know, um, paid out to Chrysler, General Motors and Ford to lesser extent, but the, the, the big three, loads of money from the government to, to survive. It's quite extraordinary, Adrian. Uh, you would have seen that happen. Yeah, absolutely. And Roland Dane made that comment today saying, you know, while the, the team and Supercars themselves has a lot of support from the likes of Holden fans, they clearly weren't buying enough of the product. And that's been the problem that, you know, yes, it, it's this loved brand with such history and so intrinsically linked to Australian culture, but it's just plummeted in the market to the point where this decision is really a no-brainer in terms of a commercial decision. And, you know, I, I thought about that comment today walking to the car park at the Ben Motorsport Park. You look around at the cars, you know, there's not too many Holdens there. And this is at a Supercars pre-season test day. So um, it's, you know, it, it was a decision that we all saw coming. It's just a case of, your hope that supercars, you know, saw it coming as well and is well prepared for what comes next. And as I said before, for me, it's a case of it needs to be looking for a future beyond manufacturer involvement because I don't know that they're going to get it. I think it needs to be a sport that is affordable enough for teams to be able to race and survive and thrive based on, you know, r- racing a product that's affordable. 
Oh, it's still, uh, still very sad at the demise of the of such an iconic brand, to be honest. Um, it's a shame after, yeah, if you go right back to, to the beginning, 160 years, but even in terms of being Australia's, you know, first, first uh, and only homegrown car really since after World War II, there's still plenty of history and it's sad to see the, um, the drawing to the to a conclusion of that uh, of that chapter. Roland, what do you think this means for the supercars here in Australia? Um, it'll mean some change, uh, and uh, undoubtedly we'll see some change coming up. Um, I'm not going to tell you what that change is at the moment, but you'll see some change. Will we see the Holden brand or badge possibly change in the future? Well, the, Hol the Holden brand will disappear at, uh, by the end of this year. So we won't see, yeah, you might see Holden's running around in the, in the uh, lesser categories, the Super 2 category and beyond for, for some years to come. Uh, but you won't see the Holden brand uh, as a predominant brand in supercars next, in 2021. So when you say that, can we still see Commodore's racing in supercars next year just without the branding? Uh, yeah, conceivably, because the homologation, as it were, from supercars will be valid for several more years, uh, even after, as it always is, you know, if you remember with the, with the Falcon, even after they stopped the production of the car and its availability to the public, it carried on racing for several years. You, your deal with Holden was until the end of next year. Are you going to receive that support next year, or will that sort of cease at the end of this yeah, I mean the ongoing situation at the moment. I'm uh, I'm meeting with GM this week, and, and we'll discuss what happens. Until until then, there's nothing more to be to be said. Really, it's a discussion between me and them. When will you be meeting with GM? This week. Sorry, I missed the start there, but did this come as a shock? Were you blindsided by this? Look, uh, the timing uh, uh, the timing of this was uh, uh, was definitely a surprise. Um, it obviously, as a, somebody who's very aware of the, of the motor industry on a, on a larger uh, platform on a world basis, the, the lack of sort of, sort of real right-hand drive plans going ahead was a, a concern, but there was, a, uh, you know, there were some new models that um, were, were in the pipeline from what we could see, which gave us reassurance. But um, it is what it is. It's, you know, we're a very small market in Australia uh, and uh, competing for the attention against uh, much, much bigger markets. So the decisions that affect the car industry on a wider basis are not made in Australia. You know, they're made in, in, in Japan or they're made in Detroit or they're made in, in Germany. Roland, how much do we need manufacturer support or can we go to a more NASCAR sort of style where it's not about that win on Sunday, sell on Monday mentality that now seems outdated? Well, NASCAR has an incredible amount of manufacturer support and they're actually making their cars more and more like ours uh, to try and have the recognition of the, uh, of the vehicle that um, is closer to, to that which people buy. So that's not a good, um, that's, that's not, not a good comparison, to be honest. Um, we, we want to carry on racing cars that represent um, what the Australian public has shown they, they enjoy watching, which are supercars, latterly Australian touring cars over 60-odd over years, and we've, and we've got to keep uh, delivering um, a product along those lines. I think collectively as a category we will.
Roland, what sort of car models would be suitable to be what sort of car models would be suitable to be racing forward in the future? Oh, look, who knows? There, there are plenty of possibilities out there. I'm not going to speculate on what those are today. Have you had a look at them already, or, or is that something? I, I'm not going to speculate what those are. Have you spoken to your team and, and the drivers? What have their reactions been? Yeah, no, I, I had very little chance to talk to them, to be honest, because most of them are travelling yesterday uh, down here. But uh, I've certainly made them aware of what's going on, and um, I hope they believe in me. Uh, and they'll wait and wait and see what happens. And what's the morale like going into the Adelaide race? Good, good. I mean, we're a race team. And we've uh, try and do our work properly as a as a race team, like all the other ones up and down here. And we crack on with the job in hand. And early um, indications today. How's it all going? Oh, it, honestly, it's impossible to tell because there are uh, teams using. Yeah, you know, we're using different timing points to other people. Uh, etc. So uh, there, there won't be any conclusions really from today about performance. You'll see it. You'll see it the oh, not only over this coming weekend, but over the next three weekends where everyone is. The Holden versus Ford rivalry has sort of been at the corner of stone of this sport mm. for a very long time. Yeah. Do you expect that the support for the category will suffer without Holden there? Uh, not if we do uh, collectively as, as the category. Um, uh, do our homework properly. I, I think that we can, we can still provide the excitement and the, uh, honestly, the show that, that people have come to expect over over many years. And unfortunately, you know, one of the issues is an awful lot of people who've been barracking for for the Holden brand over the last uh, ten years or so haven't actually been buying the product, and uh, for whatever reason, you know. And so uh, it's a fact of life that a lot of people have been turning up to watch the races in other brands. So um, it's something we're all we're all very aware of. So you know, times change, and we've got to change with them. Roland, do you think you'll be running the Commodore next season? I'm not going to speculate on what we're doing next season at the moment. What does this mean for Gen Three? Uh, yeah, again, I'm not going to comment on that until we've uh, until we've sat down and analysed it all with supercars over over the next week or two. Does this, but does this change your suggestions to supercars about what where Gen Three should go? No, not necessarily. We'll we'll wait and see how it all how it all comes together in the in the coming days. And I know you're meeting with GM next week. Is there anything you're going to? No, put I said I'm meeting with them this week. This week. Um, yeah. <laughs> Uh, is there anything that you're going to put forward to them or that, raise with them? Yeah, that's for me and them to know. All right, Adrian, I'm, it's going to be a fascinating uh, run out on uh, Adelaide on Thursday. Uh, you're all set for a, a big year of supercars? Uh... Yeah, it's going to be a big one. Um, you know, working and doing the programs again, which is, um, you know, keeps me busy. And uh, yeah, it's going to be an interesting season. We are wondering whether Scott McLaughlin is going to continue that, you know, record breaking form from from 2019 and you know especially with the you know i guess you could call it distractions of his american racing commitments and you know i wonder how much longer we have to wait before announcing that he will be going to north america for full time in 2021 so you know there's that and you know i think that there's a lot of up-and-coming drivers to watch you know we mentioned that on Pasquale before he's one to watch jack lebrock's in a in a new car a new team so um there's a lot to keep us interested, uh, you know, aside from all the off-track action, which is, you know, going to be a big talking point given the Holden news this week. One of the things that I'd like to talk to you, Adrian, later on, and Craig, is about the uh, 
demise of the single car team because it's so dramatic this year that we have not a single car team out there that everybody manned up everyone said we've got to have two cars got to have a so it's team 18 matt stone techno it's, it's all changed again and uh, i just think that's an interesting uh, scenario and i'd love to get your opinion and thoughts on that but later in the week so that's it from inside supercars thank you for adrian for joining us today on the show and talking about the test. Thank you. We'll be back tomorrow with a look at the Super 2 field. It's Josh Fife and Zane Morse here on Inside Supercars. Thanks, Adrian. Thanks, Craig. Inside Supercars is produced by Thunder Media. Tune in next time for more or lock in the podcast on your iTunes or mobile device. Search Inside Supercars. The views expressed on Inside Supercars, including the panellists and guests, do not reflect the views of the network, Thunder Media or Sport Radio. Any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of Thunder Media is strictly prohibited.